0: Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rhea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend and co-host is Bruce Aldrich, and today we're going to discuss, it's probably the most uh, compelling uh, subject matter I've gotten in an email in a long time, and I'm just going to read it. It said, it says, um, High Costs and Safety Concerns, Why Millions of Americans Aren't Buying Electric Vehicles. We have an expert in that field. Um, welcome to our program, and we're going to ask you, because you have a very unique flowing name, could you introduce yourself so I don't mangle your name?
1: Uh, I'm happy to. Hi, everybody. My name is Divya Sangam, and I am an insurance expert at ValleyPenguin.com, which is Lending Tree's insurance research arm.
0: Thank you for that. I would have mangled it, I'm pretty sure. Um, so thanks. Thanks for being available today. Uh, we scheduled this um, a ways back, and I'm glad that we were able to introduce ourselves to you and, um, and vice versa. My, I'm going to lead off by just throwing this out in, into the mix. You have a very comprehensive uh, statistical research and all kinds of data, and I'm curious just to know why this data is important right now.
1: Um, so the reason why we were curious about electric vehicles is we did a study earlier in the year about the state of auto insurance where we found that insurance premiums are increasing eight point four percent in twenty twenty three. So yay, that's a bit of sticker shock for all of us. Yes. But we also found that electric vehicles are about twenty eight percent more expensive to insure. And that led us down a rabbit hole you know, my colleagues and I in the research team, we were curious about whether people are really interested in buying electric cars. There is a lot of hype in the media about how sales have jumped 60%. People are very hyped up about it. There are federal initiatives to make EV sales 50% of all electric, of all vehicle sales. Um, You know, President Biden alluded to uh, putting half a million new charging stations across the country. So there is a lot of interest, at least at the government level, to push more Americans into getting EVs, but we realized the missing piece of the puzzle was, what do people actually think about EVs? And that's how we did the survey. We asked a few questions around what people know about EVs, what they think about it, what they think about all of the technology built into EVs, and we found some very interesting things.
2: That's interesting. I I suppose there's some major questions that people have uh such as or concerns price lack of charging um the range so let's start with say price what how much more expensive is an electric car
1: i mean so we we looked it up and the average price of an ev in 2023 is almost sixty thousand dollars whereas you know you could buy a regular sedan for 35 or forty thousand, and i'm being generous with that estimate (laughs) um for a gas vehicle. So, when we when we asked this question about what your what you consider your biggest barrier to EV ownership to be, we looked at it by demographics and, you know, naturally almost across every demographic Americans said price is their major concern. Um, income level when we broke it down by that, Americans making less than 35,000 uh were the most likely to say that a price is a deterrent as compared to you know a household making at least 100k. But keep in mind this is a random sampling across the country. A family making 100k in California may still find it very expensive to get an EV because 100,000 dollars means very different things in different parts of the country.
2: Sure, sure it does. And but say something like lack of charging stations. That that doesn't matter how much you make.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean. I guess when we asked people, this was, you know, a a very common, this is the second most common barrier that people cited, that there is a lack of charging stations. Um, And I guess that comes from anecdotal, um, you know, when you're driving and you see people in a mall parking lot fighting over EV charging stations, or you go to a gas station, there might be like three EV charging stations and 25 pumps. So a lot of it is anecdotal. Um, and also if you live in an apartment, then it's even harder to charge your EV because you cannot run a plug point from your second-floor apartment down to your (laughs) vehicle.
2: Right, yes. If you can't charge it at home, it's a little more expensive too, right?
1: Yeah, you you can charge it at home, but then you have to pay money to have the charging uh, facilities installed.
0: Uh, Divya, uh, with the finances involved here is it still uh, fair to say that people who are buying uh, electric vehicles or considering buying an electric vehicle are still more concerned about the dollars and cents than they are with their um, beliefs in the environment, for example? Are, are people, is that um, those parameters changing or is it still people saying, when am I going to save money? How am I going to save money? and the environmental concerns, if they have them, are still secondary?
1: Uh, So based off of what we found in our survey this year, uh, yes, cost was the primary concern, but we did see a significant group of people saying that they were concerned about about the environment, and that will dictate their choices when it comes to their next a car. So when they're purchasing a car in the future, they're definitely going to take the environment into consideration. Interestingly, that was broken up across political lines. Democrats are almost two times more likely to say that they would think about the environment when they're buying a car as opposed to Republicans. But both Democrats and Republicans felt that cost was their number one consideration when it comes to buying an EV.
2: How did range uh, fall into this uh, list of concerns?
1: So the range thing, we asked that as one of the you know one of the barriers. You know, do people consider the lack of range as one of the reasons why they don't want to buy an EV? And we also ask questions about how much people know about EVs because what we found is. A large majority of people say they don't know enough about EVs, and they were also the group most likely to cite the factor that range is one of their biggest barriers to entry. And this comes from, you know, when we look at first generation EVs, they probably ran like 100 miles on one charge. And I'm talking about the small little cars that were smart cars that were popular like 10 years ago but evs have changed a lot in the past decade i mean you have cars that are pushing almost 500 miles i mean we're hearing of launches of new long-range evs that can go up to 500 miles in a single charge so those are game-changing however they are in the ultra premium market so We'll probably have EVs that fall somewhere in between. And when you compare a lack of understanding of how EVs work and just, you know, a lot of misconceptions, that leads to uh, some of the barriers that people are citing, which include the lack of range.
2: Sure. One thing we've noticed through the years, the different various uh, cars, that uh, now there's no wine anymore. They drive smooth. You're getting an equal car. Were before they were just a lesser vehicle, even though you were paying a higher price.
1: I personally cannot you know, give you my thoughts on whether electric vehicles are better or not because I've only driven in a Tesla twice, and I like the experience, but you're right. I didn't really see a big difference in driving in a Tesla as opposed to driving in uh, my Honda. And that could be a good thing. You know, You have that, and then you also have a lot of legacy automakers Um, venturing into the EV space and coming up with their own all-electric offerings. I mean, the Ford F-150 Electric, that is a very cool-looking pickup truck. Sure it is. And, I mean, I think as more legacy automakers get into the EV space and offer more options, um, people who are more comfortable trusting brands that, you know, they are familiar with may be more open to getting EVs.
0: I think you're right. You you kind of answered, I think you might have some... uh... You might be prophetic because I was going to ask if, in your experience with your company, uh, if people think electric vehicles, EVs, they automatically go to Tesla and maybe they're still – Bruce and I have been around a lot of EVs and other journalists and and some of the population as well. But I, I wondered if everybody's still thinking or many people are still thinking it means Tesla. And there just are so many other cars being offered now. Um, does your company still find that that, it, that EV is equated to Tesla and Tesla only, or is that changing rapidly?
1: Um, so it, it it differs by generation. Yes. Um, but when we did this survey, what we found is people associated um, EVs with Tesla because you know they associate it with to- self driving features, and Tesla is the most popular electric vehicle that is fully self driving. Yes. So. But we also asked a question, uh, and we looked at it by generation. So Gen Z and millennials are more willing to consider an e v for the next car purchase as opposed to baby boomers and Gen X. and so you know i we have a mix of colleagues, and we also anecdotally ask friends and families across generations, and what we got, especially from our from my boomer friends, is i I know of Tesla, but I don't trust them oh and, really and i And and I found that really interesting because they are so popular. They're in the news all the time. And so I pushed it and asked them, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, I'm comfortable driving my Honda, Toyota, Lexus, uh, you know, whatever car they drive. And they would prefer to continue shopping from that brand.
0: I see. So that leads into if those brands, as you mentioned, the legacy brands, which I think is a a great word. When those legacy brands continue to offer more in the EV category, those people would be more apt to consider it.
1: Yeah. And I pushed that question further. So I said, so are you okay with getting a hybrid? Because a hybrid is also technically an electric vehicle. It's part electric, part gas, but it still has a battery in it. And they said yes. And, you know, this is not a stat we really highlighted in the study, but because it was a pretty small percentage, but uh, boomers were more likely to get hybrids over fully electric cars.
0: Bruce is a boomer, and I'm a boomer, just to let you know. <laughs> Don't say anything sure. too disparaging about boomers. <laughs> we're hey,
1: here. Hey, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was saying good things. I know I, you know, were. <laughs> I, I appreciate that um, my boomer friends are very thoughtful, and they're doing their research before right. investing hard-earned money into a car.
0: It's funny. I, I'm just having a little fun with it, because it's, it's hard to consider myself a baby boomer, but we are. <laughs> it's a Absolutely. funny term. It's a funny term um bruce go ahead i was
1: just called an an elder millennial recently an elder
2: millennial gosh (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) one of my biggest concerns on the electrics as an elder is the battery battery life and the cost of replacing them and where they go when they're done and apparently the insurance companies have the same problem um, because that's why the insurance costs are higher for electric vehicles can you fill us in on why insurance is higher
1: um absolutely and this is a really when we found it when we did the analysis on insurance prices we were initially surprised but then we were not because we looked at claims and in general when you get your electric car into an accident it's about 27 percent more expensive to repair compared to a gas car so on the one hand, electric vehicles are seen as better because they're cheaper to maintain, but you really don't want to get into a crash with an EV because they're very, very expensive to repair.
2: Yes, that's and, what I've heard.
1: And you brought up a good point about batteries. I mean, yes, a battery is good for 100,000, 200,000 miles, but then replacing it is expensive. Um, you hear stories of batteries catching fire So that's a really scary risk. I'm sure it's not a common thing. There might be other factors involved. But these are definitely things that people would think about before buying an EV haze that's safe to drive. Um, And a lot of the technology built into EVs are not really regulated at the moment. I mean, the government is trying to regulate it. You know, you hear about uh, all these massive recalls happening for electric vehicles where they have to... Uh, adjust the self-driving technology or uh, features in the vehicle to make them safer. So at least there's increased oversight, but there are no hard rules yet.
2: Yes, I guess the the auto dismantlers, the wrecking yards too, they they know how to take care of the vehicles we have now as, as far as taking them apart and getting rid of them, recycling them. But what do you do with EVs and their batteries? I guess that's a problem. There's just a lot of cars, electric cars, just sitting around not being dismantled or recycled.
1: Agreed. Um, And one thing people don't realize, especially if you're environmentally conscious, is electricity also is generated mostly by fossil fuels, one, and the metals that are mined to make batteries are extremely polluting. So an EV is an interesting alternative to a gasoline car, but it isn't necessarily environmentally friendlier.
0: Right. Um, we're in California. Uh, obviously we've uh, had our podcast here in Sacramento for five plus years. And I'm, i think these numbers are true that California and Colorado are one, two in EV sales. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, I think it was 2020, or I'm sorry, 2000 or 2001, when uh, the Prius first entered the market and everybody thought, well, it looks like it's something that belongs on the moon. It, it's not a very attractive vehicle. And all these years later, whatever it is, 23 years later, uh, all these other companies have come to the surface. Some have disappeared before they've arrived. Uh, and the sales volume in California and Colorado is much higher than the other states, but I think nationally it's only what, two to three percent of all vehicles? Yeah. And this yeah. is a little bit speculative, but what will it take um, with your research to, to have that jump from three to six or or three to ten or three to twenty percent?
1: It's going to be, it's going to take a lot of things, if you ask me. One, it needs to be made more affordable. Um, There needs to be more, uh, people need to be educated a little bit more in electric vehicles. They need to know how electric vehicles run. They need to know um, how easy or difficult it is to charge. And they need to understand how much it's going to cost them. Last year, there was a lot of interest in EVs because gas prices went up so much. um, And well, Gas prices have gone down again, so you can't only tie EV sales to gas prices. That's not going to be sustainable in the long term. Mm-hmm. People need to be made aware of other benefits to these vehicles. They come with a lot of safety features built into it. Yes, self-driving has a bad rep, but there are technologies, self-driving technologies, that actually make it safer to drive, like lane assist, um, blind spot monitors, uh, brake assist. These things actually make it safer to drive. So if, if if there is an increased effort in helping people understand how EVs work, um, and giving them the complete picture and how much it's going to cost them, and just making it more accessible, putting more charging stations, providing more tax breaks, making it cheaper to charge your car at a public station because right now it's actually more it's it's almost on par with getting gas. If
0: I if I were in charge, I would hire you to write the script for these companies and their commercials because what you said (laughs) are four or five, six items right in a row that you're absolutely right. And I don't really see anybody marketing their vehicles uh, that way. Or maybe I just haven't, maybe the commercials and the other marketing materials are out there. But I don't see see the practicality that you just talked about um, being marketed.
1: I mean, EVs are still very much an aspirational vehicle for many Americans. They're more expensive and so... I believe the marketing of those vehicles also will be very aspirational. It's cool to have an EV. The ads are very flashy. You know, they, you know, when you go to when you go to the showroom to talk about an EV, a lot of conversation is around, you know, all of the exciting features built into it. There will be maybe 10 minutes conversation on how much you can save uh, on maintenance and gas. But the person buying an EV may not wasn't a Honda buyer but they are now. So your your soccer moms and your families who used to buy a Prius are probably interested in an EVs and in EVs and I think car manufacturers should take advantage of that and start talking the language that soccer moms and families understand.
2: Good point. The thing that interests me is especially uh, options from like Tesla, their ludicrous model and their Oh, the Mercedes, the AMG models, and some of the Audis, it's uh, what it can do on a drag strip. They're exceedingly yeah, I mean, very fast. That's a good selling point.
1: I mean, those are very high-end cars. You know, your average American is not going to be thinking about getting those cars. They want a Ford F-150s. They want Honda CRVs. They want Toyota's. Um, they want Chevys, like they want the cars that they're familiar with, that are comfortable to them, and that's why I keep bringing bringing up the point. If legacy automakers started launching electric vehicles that people uh, are comfortable with, uh, they may more they may be more willing to buy them.
0: Divya, it's a very small niche, and uh, I have had a chance to drive uh, two uh, hydrogen cars. Have you guys um, entered that? Area at all with your studies, or is it is the are the numbers so small that it's not it's not quite relevant yet?
1: Um, the number is a little too small for us to include it in studies. Um, but personally, I'm really excited by hydrogen cars. Um, they seem like a truly clean alternative. Uh, part of me is a little ter- terrified of driving a hydrogen car until I remind myself, gasoline is equally flammable yes. as hydrogen. So. <laughs> um i'm curious to see how that technology will um change the way we drive but it's a little too early for us to be looking into it in terms of how much it costs to insure and whether people are interested in that
2: what we found is the only thing worse uh infrastructure than electric is uh, the hydrogen (laughs) we did discover terrible (laughs) we did this well we had a a very good just to try to go quick and we had a good
0: positive we Bruce and I went down to the L.A. Auto Show, and uh, when we left town here in Sacramento, we went to the place that we knew had hydrogen, and there was a guy there from one of the companies cleaning up or arranging and, you know, chest- chesting different things about the hydrogen area there, and um, he asked us if we were using one of the hydrogen company's cards or our own credit card, and we, we were using a credit card, and he said, not today. So our hydrogen fill-up out of town was on that company. So that was a real a nice uh, perk for our travel.
2: It went downhill from there. It went
0: downhill from there because in Los Angeles, (laughs) even though the app said that these stations were open, we found three or four that were not open in a row. And we were down pretty close to the end of our hydrogen uh, range. But we we got home okay. But Bruce's point is well made. The infrastructure isn't quite there yet from from our experience.
1: I mean, that's the same problem with electric vehicles. It's okay if you live in big cities. Um, You know, there is a lot of charging stations and parking lots offices gas stations but you know when you're driving on a rural road it it can get a little scary you know you're if if you run out of uh, juice on your battery uh i saw a video on youtube recently of a of a family they were driving a tesla and they ran out of uh, juice so they had to charge it so they opened up their trunk and there was a gasoline powered honda charger uh generator that they plugged into their ev to charge it
0: oh my wow that's 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 something um, Divya, since your uh, study that all the information you provided in the press materials was so comprehensive, I'm sure there were missing one or two of the areas. So what else would you like to uh, talk about today that we may have missed um, you know, earlier in the podcast? Is there some other factors that, that um, you would like the public to know that we're just not uh, that savvy on yet?
1: So I would say I wanted to highlight two things. Uh, One of the uh, bulk of the questions we asked in our survey was actually about self-driving technology, and we were very heartened to find that uh, most Americans uh, want the driver to be held responsible, even if their car gets into an accident while on self-driving
0: mode. Yes.
1: And the reason why I bring this up is self-driving technology is one of those really interesting technological developments in the in the automotive space, where cars can literally drive themselves, but um, people are right to distrust it. Just because one car is driving itself doesn't mean every car on the road is driving itself. Um, there is still a great push on the side of consumers. They still want people to be responsible drivers. Safety is still paramount. Even if your car is driving itself, you should still be alert behind the wheel. Um, and we've seen, and you've probably seen those videos, the same videos as I have, of people be- taking extraordinary risks behind the wheel when the car is driving itself. I saw a video on People web- on People.com, of a lady I think in California was sleeping behind the wheel of her Tesla while it was driving on the highway.
0: No, more. never the- a good idea.
1: <laughs> it's never a good idea to sleep behind the wheel of any car a- even a self-driving one. Thank you. And that's That's the, you know, for so for me as a researcher, it was really heartening to hear that a majority of Americans agree with me that there has to be personal accountability, whatever vehicle you drive, whatever technology it has, you still need to be responsible when you're behind the wheel. Um, And the other point that, you know, we were discussing and when we were doing this research is. When you go to get an EV, there's a lot of conversation around how it's cheaper because you save on gas. But the reality is the math behind EV ownership is a lot more complicated. You can't just give a blanket statement that it's, you know electricity is cheaper than gas. I mean, just like gas, electricity costs vary by state, by county. They can increase and decrease during seasons. I mean, we saw that in Texas during the snowstorms a couple of years ago. And so when you're doing that math behind EV ownership, you need to figure out how much range your car has, how much it's going to cost to charge your EV. Um, And if you're planning to use a public uh, access EV charger, you also need to factor in that those can be almost as expensive as getting gas at the pump. And you can't just blindly assume that an EV is going to be cheaper. You, You need to sit down, take your calculator out and do the math.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, there's some terms uh, kilowatts per hour and that's that sort of thing that's still um, foreign to me, even though I've you know I filled up I don't know maybe 10 different electric vehicles. Now I still have to think about what those costs are. And if I were to buy one, whether I would you know rely on the ones that are close by or I would invest um, in a home charger In in our, our case, um, our municipality munici- smud, Sacramento Municipal Utility district, um, compensates people for having a home charging unit. And that might be the same in other parts of the country, too. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, those numbers, they're, they're, they're still foreign uh, calculations to me. And I'm sure that they're foreign to everybody else. Not everybody else, but many other people have the same learning curve um, to figure out how much you're saving or not saving.
1: I mean, it is difficult to do the math. With a gas car, we know what are the numbers to look for. We look at, you know, how many um, miles per gallon I'm going to get out of this vehicle. Uh, We look at what kind of fuel it needs. And we're able to make those decisions. With EVs, it's a little more complicated. But I think as we move ahead, um, and EVs just become more popular. We'll become familiar with the math as well.
0: That's, That's right. It's
1: just when you're making this decision to spend up to $60,000 on a car, you maybe want to do the math beforehand and not get stuck with sticker shock expecting a significantly cheaper uh, car ownership experience and finding that it might not necessarily be the case.
0: Yes. Uh, Divya, thank you. Um, I think that this is a good place to end our episode today, but I wanted to uh, lastly find out since you've given us all the information, all this information for our podcast, people uh, can go to your various sites or let let, let us know, um, uh, let our listeners know how they can find out more information uh, and study, you know, study the EV world. What do you recommend?
1: Um, so, if you want to study the EV world, of course, there are lots of amazing publications that cover it. Um if you want to read our survey, uh, we actually published a report on it and you can go visit uh www.valuepenguin.com/electric-vehicle-concerns-survey or you can just go on Google and search Value Penguin Electric Vehicle Concerns Survey and it'll probably be the first result. Great. That
2: w- that was Value Penguin, I think if I heard you right. Yes, yeah, Value
1: peng- Penguin, like the bird.
0: Like the bird. Sure. The wonderful bird, yes. Well, Divya, thank you so much for um, all of your expertise today. We appreciate your time on the Weekly Driver Podcast. You covered a lot of bases and uh, filled in a lot of blanks for me, uh, at least. And so thank you very much for being a guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Very much appreciate the time today.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. Okay, take care. Thank you, Divya. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye.